What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three racers that would finish the Le Mans 48 hours after everybody else with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm just glad Josh Lucas still gets work outside of being Home Depot's spokesperson. I'm Keith Baker, and I think Mr. Ford definitely soiled himself. And I'm Austin Terry, and I would make a terrible member of a pit crew. I think we all would. That seems like a miserable existence. I feel like I would step too far into the track and just get run over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> on today's show, we are returning to our favorite movies series. Uh, it's been a while, been at least several months since we last did this. And it's pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory by its name. But this is just where one of us picks a random all-time favorite of ours and we do an episode on it. Today, it's Keith's turn, and he picked James Mangold's 2019 sports drama film, Ford v. Ferrari. Keith, take it away. Why is Ford v. Ferrari one of your favorites? Yeah, it's uh, definitely become one of my go-to movies. So this one came out in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, over the past couple years, definitely been one of my go-to movies just to put on. Uh, I always enjoy it. Uh, but the reasons why it's one of my favorite movies uh, in the past decade is I just like the story. I like the performances. The way it's paced, I think it's all it's all good stuff. It's really it's really fun to kind of dive into the story of Ford in the '60s and how Carroll Shelby became a part of it. As we see, like these Mustangs nowadays with the name Shelby on them, it's kind of cool to see where that came from. Uh, so I think it tells a really good story. Uh, all the actors in it were were phenomenal. They all put on good performances. I really don't have any negative light to shine on there. Um, all the racing scenes are are thrilling to watch. It's kind of anxiety inducing as well, like watching these cars just blow up and and the other racers are just driving by them at 200 miles an hour. It's it's insane. I think you can definitely argue this movie is kind of an accelerated version of the actual story. You know, you could have definitely made this like almost almost a three and a half hour movie if you wanted to to really dive into more of like the rivalries, the relationships, and all that. But I think that they did a pretty good job of explaining the relationship between Ken Miles and Carroll Shelby and the impact that Ken Miles had in the Shelby and Ford industry, you know, even with kind of being hated by a lot of the people in it. So yeah, overall, the story, um, I think it's a really good universal movie. I, th I think anybody could enjoy this, even if you don't like cars, you know, because it doesn't dive too, too in detail with like the mechanics about it, but dives just enough into where like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I didn't know that's what it took to like, make a race car and like all the tweaking and they have to do to like slow down the drag and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's a good universal movie and I think anybody could enjoy it. So with that, let's get into it. Matthew and Austin, let me know your thoughts on Ford versus Ferrari, especially since this is the first time you guys are watching it. I'm definitely not a car guy or a racing guy and I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. So I think that does stand to your point that this really is a movie for anybody. Um, I think the performances really carry it through. The racing itself is, is very thrilling and exciting. Um, but for, for me, I think where I really enjoyed this movie is in its quieter moments. Um, I think the cast really gets a, gets the chance to shine with the inner relationships here, um, with the rivalry between the racers and Ford, and then the Ford staff and the Ferrari staff. All of that I found very engaging. I thought the time period of this being set in kind of the shadow of post-World War II and that kind of generational trauma that's there with, with people needing work, being home from the war, and then there's still these um, giant companies that are getting built up to the ones that we know today. And the backdrop of that really influences the story of this movie. I, I think my main critique of the film is that it's called Ford v. Ferrari, but it's really just the Ford side of the rivalry. And I was hoping to see what Ferrari was doing because they have their own teams that are out there trying to push the limit against Ford. They know Ford's hot on their heels. 
So it was really exciting to see that, and we, and we didn't really get that. Um, overall, though, I, I think it's a fantastic movie. I think the performances are great, and I can't believe this one missed me by on its original release schedule. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm also surprised that I missed this one. I remember being really excited when it was coming out because obviously I love the cast. I'm a big James Mangold fan, so there's really no reason I shouldn't have seen this. It's just one of those movies that despite being excited for it, it comes out, gets great reviews, and then later even goes on to be nominated for Best Picture. I just missed it. I don't know why. And now three years have gone by, so who the hell knows? But I'm glad I finally sat down to watch it. I um, I, I would say after the first watch... I really liked it. I think that's as far as I could go uh, at this point. And Austin kind of mentioned it. My biggest critique is also probably, oh, man, it would have been really cool to get more of the Ferrari side. You know, they gave us so much like explanation, not just through exposition and talking scenes, but also they visually showed us through testing and all that interesting stuff, how they made this Ford car do what they set out to do. And that was pretty cool. So I would have liked to see more of that Ferrari side. I thought maybe it was a little bit of a misleading title. I think in like other markets, this movie was called Le Mans 66. And I was like, I think I would have felt better if it was like, if I had that expectation <laughs> going in, if it was called that. But anyway, that's a, that's a nitpick. But yeah, I, I'm also with Austin that my favorite parts of the movie were absolutely just the character stuff. I thought the racing was great. Maybe by the end, I got a little bit like desensitized to it because for you know, a two and a half hour movie, there was a lot of racing, especially, I mean, I would assume most of that last hour is probably just the Le Mans. So you get a lot of that for sure. And that was great. But yeah, I really just love the character interplay and the, the dialogue and the conflict and everything between them. I thought it was really great. I would have liked a little bit more between the other characters. I think some storylines and characters get kind of lost. Like they set us up, at least in my opinion, to have John Bernthal be a huge character. And, he, and he's an important character, but he really goes from being integral and setting all this up to at the end, he's just kind of smirking whenever he watches Carol Shelby, like, <laughs> flick off, like, Leo Beebe or something. Like, he doesn't even say anything. He's just like, huh, nice one, Shelby. And it's like, that's the extent of his character now. I don't think he has any dialogue for the last hour and a half <laughs> Probably of the movie. not. I would have just liked if everything they set up at the beginning felt like there was a better bow on it towards the end. But hey, it's a true story. So sometimes that's hard to do. Or I should not say this is a true story. This is based on a true story. I was I was having some fun, I will say, after the fact of reading some of the uh, like differences. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of shocking. Then there's also equally shocking stuff that actually happened. But before I get to kind of a, you know, in the nitty gritty here, I really enjoyed the movie, uh, but I definitely had some I had some questions and there, there are some things that I wouldn't say I didn't like. I was just like, oh, how does that character know each other? What's the, what's that relationship? So there, there were certain things I would have liked to spend a little bit more time with, maybe take, I don't know, five minutes total off of the amount of racing we got in the movie just to give us maybe a little bit more of the character scenes to kind of uh, fully explore that and give some of the ensemble characters a bit more of a better ending moment. And then, of course, like Austin said, if we had gotten just a little bit more of the Ferrari side, I think that would have really balanced it out and made this feel like truly like this two and a half hour sports epic that's not only a biopic. I think that would have made me come away feeling a lot better. But hey, I'm glad I finally watched it because it was really good. Yeah, I think the other thing I'll call out before we move into spoilers is uh, Matt Damon as Carol Shelby. I think this is like the most un-Matt Damon-y Matt Damon role I've seen. Like, he doesn't feel like Matt Damon to me in this movie. It might just be the accent, but this is the most unique character I think I've ever seen him play, and I thought he was great. Yeah, he's really good at it. He rarely plays a submissive character. Not that I would describe Carol Shelby as submissive, because he definitely isn't. But, I mean, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, Matt Damon's your lead, but Christian Bale's like the 
the second lead, but he kind of also feels like the main character. So yeah, it's like Matt Damon isn't always in charge. And I feel like in most of his projects, he is. Also, you, you kind of mentioned it there. I think, you know, Christian Bale is one of the best actors working today, in my opinion. He is a transformative actor. His physical performance, his, uh, his accent work, I thought was spectacular. But I think because, you know, he's so known for that, I haven't, I mean, I don't know Carol Shelby. I don't know much about him, but I just I didn't realize that he was kind of a southern boy. <laughs> but uh, whenever I was watching him, I was like, this wasn't just like Matt Damon doing like a caricature accent either. I mean, I thought this was like a really hard accent to do, like lots of really tough words to just like kind of a seamlessly fit into a sentence and stuff like that. I thought he did a great job. And I think maybe because Christian Bale is just known for doing that. I wasn't I never heard that Matt Damon like getting that much praise for this one. So I think he deserves a shout out, too. All right. So it sounds like, you know. We're kind of chomping at the bit here. We definitely have a lot of thoughts, lots of positives, lots of little nitpicks. So I'm excited to get into it. Uh, so let's go ahead. I guess, you know, I know this isn't our favorite movies. We don't usually do this, but I guess we'll drop a spoiler warning. If you have not seen Ford v. Ferrari, uh, I feel like we've already kind of spoiled it. But uh, go check it out if you haven't. We definitely all would recommend it. And then come on back. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our cast and crew talk. And then after that, we're going to get into full on discussion mode. I would also say history has spoiled it as well. I guess that's what I mean. Yeah, we, we kind of already, <laughs> you know what's going on, hopefully. All right, Austin and Keith, I know we're already kind of uh, antsy and excited to get into the discussion, but as always, let's just run down the cast and crew and critical reception real quick. All right. So Ford v. Ferrari is directed by James Mangold, who you may know from Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, Logan, and the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film, which I'm sure will be great. Uh, it's written by Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, and Jason Keller. And our score for the film is composed by Marco Beltrami and Buck Sanders. All right. And going into our cast, we have Matt Damon as Carol Shelby, Christian Bale as Ken Miles, Katrina Balf as Molly Miles, John Bernthal as Lee Icoca, Josh Lucas as Leo Beebe, Noah Jupe as Peter Miles, Ray McKinnon as Phil Remington, Ramo Gironi as Enzo Ferrari, and we got Tracy Letts as Henry Ford II. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, my highlight is definitely Matt Damon, as I mentioned before. Um, I think this is just such a unique role for him. I think he carries the film very well. Like His character is kind of used to move the story forward. And as the lead, he has to be very engaging and charming. And I, I believe that he was Carol Shelby in this movie. It wasn't just like, oh, there's Matt Damon. Like, he actually really embodied this role, I thought. And I'll give another shout out to Katrina Balf as Molly Miles. Every time she was on screen, I thought she was really fun, um, very heartwarming. And, and you really bought her and Kristen Bale's relationship in this movie. It's funny you say that, that you feel that Matt Damon actually is Carol Shelby. Because I feel like that way about like almost the majority of the cast. When I'm watching this movie... I forget that Josh Lucas is Leo Beebe and John Bernthal is Lee I, Lee Iacocca and uh, Christian Bale is Kim Miles. Like everybody just feels like they're actual people. Since you shouted out Matt Damon, I'll go ahead and, and shout out uh, Christian Bale as Kim Miles. When we mentioned it earlier, as Matt Damon has like the Southern accent, well, Christian Bale really puts on his like British persona on, on this role for sure, which is funny because like pretty much best friends and one of, one of them is British and one of them is a Southern boy. Uh, but they both like have the same obsession with cars and like morals when it comes to life. It seems like so uh, really cool to see Christian Bale play this kind of guy and take on like the uh, like the emotional aspects of Ken Miles and also like the racing aspects and what it takes to 
build these cars and like handle these cars and watch them in action was was fun. Yeah, I definitely agree with every single pick you guys just made. I think the entire cast list we have here is all great, uh, like we kind of alluded to at the beginning. I wish some of them just would have been able to stick a little bit more around towards the end. Don't know how they would have been able to balance that all out, but anyway, they were all great. So I'll go ahead and take my shout out. I'll take James Bangle, the director. Um, for a movie this long, the direction, the pacing, the way everything comes together from just a directing and like a stylistic standpoint is pretty fantastic. Um, whether it it is those quiet character moments that Austin was talking about, whether it is the thrilling racing that Keith was talking about, everything seems there's like a fluidness to it. It doesn't feel like half the movie is just like about character and half the movie is about racing. It feels like it all comes together. I think that's just because he found this great way to visually tell this story. Um, it was great. I thought he did a great job. And I mean, James Mangold is quickly, honestly, becoming one of my favorite directors um he has like a pretty killer lineup even going back even further like girl interrupted or even something a bit more kind of goofy like kate and leopold i mean he, i mean he's just really good um 310 to yuma the remake is one of my favorites uh that i could see us doing that eventually on our favorite movies i own a dvd copy of 310 to yuma i know that might have been the first time i watched it was that very dvd copy <laughs> um and i know we joke i mean who the hell knows how the next indiana jones is gonna be but i have to say i mean if james mangled gonna is gonna do it I, I'm kind mm. of interested. <laughs> I, I think with the 310 to Yuma and even the Logan background, um, Ford B. Ferrari does have a little bit of a Western feel to it in some scenes. Maybe it's just the desert, but there is kind of that almost rebellious nature of this big like corporation and then these like this racing crew that's trying to do, do things their way. And I, I really dug that vibe for the majority of this film. Yeah, that's true. And like the the way it kind of it kind of uh, embodies the '60s too. Like when they when they're meeting up in the diner and there's all these like old '60s cars like outside the windows and everything's really vibrant. It doesn't really feel like too like Mad Men like where you're like in the city and like everybody's a little bit more proper. Like everybody's a little bit more like well they're like mechanics and stuff. So everybody's a little bit more greased up and like they're working on cars. So it's kind of cool to see that aspect of the '60s. Well, since this is a movie that came out three years ago at this point, um, I'm assuming everybody kind of knows the critical reception. But I think it's important to run it down because we are doing this for an hour favorite movie series. So we know how Keith feels. We know how now Austin and I feel. But how does everybody else feel? Where does this movie stack up in general? So let's see. 4V Ferrari received consistent praise and currently has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is 4V Ferrari delivers all the polished auto action audiences all expect and balances it with enough gripping human drama to satisfy non-racing enthusiasts. Critics praise the racing sequences and the performances, particularly of Bale and Damon. At the 2020 Academy Awards, the film was nominated for four Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Sound Mixing, and it ended up winning Best Film Editing and Best Sound Editing. Did it lose to Parasite that year? Yeah, so speaking of Best Picture, I thought it'd be fun. I could run down everything else this was nominated against, including the winner, obviously. And let me know where Ford v. Ferrari kind of stacks up for you. So, Parasite won that year. And then we also have The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I gotta say, guys, now that we're kind of a couple years removed, that's a pretty stacked lineup. That's a good yeah. year. Um, the only movie I feel like shouldn't be in there is The Irishman. I think Parasite definitely deserves the win, but I'd probably put Ford v. Ferrari at least third on that list because I do love Jojo Rabbit. I think I would definitely put Ford versus Ferrari at the top, Parasite right after, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Jojo Rabbit. Those are probably my top four. I got to say, I don't even know if I could rank these. 
<laughs> this is hard. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be negative. Ford v. Ferrari might fall a little bit lower on my list, but that's just because I love most of these. I think Joker would be last. I think that's one that's just not really holding up for me. Um, <laughs> I but... hate Joker. <laughs> <laughs> but Little Women, I don't know if you guys ever saw that, the Greta Gerwig version. I had no expectations going in, and my mom took me to that over like, I guess like a Christmas holiday or something. It ended up being like one of my recent favorites. It's like just a great oh. movie. So that that might be up there for me. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. Ford v. Ferrari. Actually, no, now that I'm looking at this, I'm not the biggest 1917 fan. Oh, not the biggest Marriage Story fan. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Ford v. Ferrari is like kind of smacked up in the middle because Parasite, I would put above Ford v. Ferrari. 1917 is probably up there for me, too. That was Yeah, that's a good list. It's a good list for sure. Well, there you have it. So, all right, I guess uh, let's go ahead and just go a little bit deeper now. Let's get into our roundtable discussion and break this all down. Um, so who's going to start us off today? Yeah, so we've touched on kind of the quieter moments of this film being really the the standout here. And, and I kind of want to get into those um, relationships. So we, of course, have the titular Carol Shelby and Ken Miles relationship. And then we have Ken and his family. Uh, I, I guess, Keith, I'll start with you. What are your favorite parts about the relationships in this film? Yeah, I like that whole little like triangle there between Shelby, Miles, and then Miles and, and Molly. Um, between Shelby and Ken, yeah, they're a fun duo to watch. Like I said earlier, it's just funny how they match up. Like one of them's really British, the other one's a southern guy, but they're both like on the same page when it comes to cars. They love driving, you know, and obviously Shelby can't race anymore because of his heart issues. Uh so it's it's fun to see Shelby kind of like pour his energy into Ken and put all of his confidence into into Ken. And even whenever you know, Ford is pressuring him to, you know, make Ken say certain things or even they're, even when they're trying to kick Ken out, Shelby still has his back uh, for the most part. And I, I like their little conversations they have. You can tell how good of friends they are with agreement without saying much words. So, so you, you definitely know they have a history together and that they'll have each other's back. So fun to watch. Yeah, they kind of have the exact same skill set. I guess Carol Shelby technically is more of like the idea man, whereas Ken Miles is a bit more adept as a mechanic to actually, you know, make that idea a reality. So that's always cool to see. Obviously, they were both racers, but in terms of where this story is being told, it's just Ken Miles. But yeah, I really like their back and forth. Um, it, it was just fun to see, like you guys already said, it's just like, for whatever reason, it's his background, it's... PTSD, who the hell knows? Maybe Ken Miles has just kind of always been a bit of a curmudgeon in a sense. Nobody likes him uh, for good reason. He's miserable to be around. The only people that like him are his family, Carol Shelby, and his pit crew. That's really it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and you do kind of get it. I mean, like whenever you watch him in these scenes, at, like the Mustang showcase, it's like he's just, you know, he's just like an, a normal dude. <laughs> and he's being surrounded by all this like just bullshit he doesn't believe this is how cars should be like made or marketed so it, it was fascinating you understand why he has a tough time with people but yeah like you said it was of course nice just as a friend to see shelby stand up for him and go to great lengths my only issue and i can't blame the movie because again it's based on a true story but how did you guys feel about the ending like after we've been in this movie for this long did it feel at all weird to you that Ken Miles was even given a choice to wait for the other Ford racers. Like it felt like at that point, Shelby would have just been like, just finish it. But apparently the reason that they couldn't do that is because Leo Beebe and I guess Carol Shelby in real life were on the same page that the Ford cars should cross the line at the same time. So that was the only part that didn't work for me. It was like, why is Shelby even telling Ken Miles this? Just like 
tell BB to fuck off and just let Miles finish the race. Like that was the only part that was weird, but I acknowledge that they had to kind of adhere to how the story was actually told because he didn't win. So that was the only part that like felt weird after all these great building of friendship scenes and Shelby continually putting his own company himself on the line with Ford in order to get Miles to be in the car. Um, And then, yeah, the Ken Miles family dynamic was really sweet. I think it was really important to kind of ground him because he is always such a character to sort of see him actually struggle with whether it be money or just his company and come back home and kind of uh, figure out what's really important was really was really great. And yeah, Katrina Balfe was, I thought, fantastic in this. Yeah, with the family stuff, I, I really liked kind of the the mentorship between um, Ken and Peter, everything that he's trying to teach him about racing and everything he knows. And then with Molly, I really liked that like support that she has for him. Like even though they're totally broke, she doesn't want him to give up racing. She wants him to find a way to keep doing that. Um, you can buy that they like really, really know each other and trust each other. She even says like, if you give this up, you're going to be unsufferable in ten years, and I won't want to be around you. So stuff like that, I really like. Yeah. To go back to your question about why Carol Shelby even like posed the finishing together at the end of the little man's race, I, I did like that he at least told Ken Miles it's up to him. It's his car. Um. So I thought that was a nice moment that he was like, whatever you, de- whatever you decide to do while you're out there, I'll support you. The fact that Leo Beebe and Carol Shelby were on the same page in real life about all the Fords finishing together isn't too surprising to me, just because if, if you think of that time period we're in, there is that like American pride, those, those American businesses are building up their industrialism. Yeah. And I'm sure Carol Shelby, as a member of Ford, wanted to, like Henry Ford said, just bury Ferrari 20 feet in the ground. So finishing Ford, Ford, Ford together, I'm sure was super satisfying to that whole racing team, too. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like Shelby had like the toughest position on all of this. Yeah, I think that's fair. What was your guys' read in the context of the movie of why Ken Miles, when going down that last straightaway, decided to slow down and let the other Fords catch up? Like he has like that seemingly introspective and reflective moment what do you think was going through his head that made him kind of laugh to himself and say you know what yeah we'll cross the line at the same time i think he had just come off of that perfect lap like peter said so he had accomplished that he had already set like three race lap records so he'd, he'd done everything he wanted to do and also if you think back to the beginning of the film shelby kind of calls him out and says hey there's a crew here that wants to pay you to race for them but you're too difficult to work with you can never be a team player so I think with, with this moment, he thinks about everything Shelby's done for him, everything he's already accomplished mm-hmm. at the race, and he decides, you know what, this time I will be a team player, and, and then decides to slow down. That's kind of how I saw it, too. And then the fact that he probably thought, that he did think he was going to win uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, finally, I'll finally just swallow my pride and be a team player, and I'll still, I'll still get the race. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've won the Daytona, I've won the other, other one, I can't remember what the other one was called, and then now I've won the Le Mans, so... I'll, you know, I won't be winning way ahead, but at least I'll be, I can, I can satisfy everybody plus myself in this moment. And then of course it gets to the end. He's like, oh shit. Like they, they fucked me out of this. They stole it from me. But then he's like kind of fine with it too, though. Which is what I liked. I kind of liked that him and Shelby were both kind of like, okay, screw it. Let's get back to work. You know, they were, cause they're both car guys and like the business aspect of it is not their priority. That's just like something they have to do. Really, they, they, they are the true car guys not Henry Ford and not Leo Beebe. They're just yeah. car salesmen. And I kind of took that final moment on the track as Carol Shelby and Ken Miles were going to go compete to beat Ford next year. It didn't seem like they were going to go compete with Ford whenever they were leaving to go design their new car. Obviously, if history had played out differently, it would have been cool to see if Ken Miles could have come back. 
and taken everybody down, including Ford and Ferrari. In a way they did, though. In a way they did, because that car that um, Ken Miles unfortunately died in, the one that he and Shelby designed to be basically like the car that they were working on when Ken Miles died, that's the one that they were able to win Le Mans for Ford in like 67, 68, 69, and maybe 72. So there is still like some like, oh, you know, their ingenuity still ended up, you know, being this like powerhouse at Le Mans in the following years, kind of like how Ferrari had been previously. Watching him blow out Ferrari's engine too as they're trying to pass was pretty satisfying. Oh, and his reaction where he's like almost <laughs> yes. like he's almost like crying. He's like, he's like he oh really, you can see it in Christian Bale's <laughs> face. He's like, I think he's like, I just won. Like I'm gonna win this now. So this movie, whenever I was first starting it, I was like, my expectation was kind of just a normal, not run of the mill, but just like, you know, a normal sports drama at first. Um, but then when I realized, oh, wow, this is, you know, a little bit over two and a half hours. So that's going to kind of give it that epic feel. I wonder what they're going to put in, in addition to like the friendship and like the racing sequences. So in that vein, what would you have liked to see that runtime do more of, I guess? And then how do you think they best spent that runtime? I know we talked about the friendship and the quieter moments, but if there's anything else, let me know. For me, what I would have loved to see the movie do more of, and I think Matt and I both mentioned this in the opening, is I would have loved if more time was given to the Ferrari side of things. I think that would have added more to the story to see, here's what Ferrari's doing, here's the cars they're building, here's their team that they're putting a roster together to go compete at Le Mans with. Um, Because during this time period, it really was Ford and Ferrari going back and forth, um, each trying to come out with a better car. And we don't get any of that perspective. So I would have loved to have seen the Ferrari side of this rivalry. I I understand for the purposes of this story, they can't, you know, have it be an hour and 15 minutes of Ken Miles and Carol Shelby, then an hour and 15 minutes of Enzo Ferrari and that team. But we did see a a racing movie called Rush that did it a lot better, where you see both racers' perspective in the film. So there is a way to do it in these types of movies. Yeah, Rush is a great movie. I got to watch that again. Now I'm in kind of that racing mood. (laughs) But yeah, I hear what you're saying. There was a bit more of a balance there, although it was between two different characters. I just... I know this would have been harder because it would have been like a whole team of characters on the American side and then a whole team of characters on the Italian side. So it would have been it would have been tough. It kind of almost makes me wish, oh, man, how cool it have been if they had made this like a series, like a like a, yeah. I don't know, like a 10 episode miniseries or something. Um, anyway, just looking at what we got, that scene where Lee Iacocca goes uh, to Italy and you basically just watch <laughs> Ferrari fuck him over and just be like, I don't know. Yeah, we were never going to sign this. I just wanted to up my price <laughs> with it with Fiat or whatever it was. But like, I guess then cut to the end of the movie whenever we're getting into the Le Mans race and I see that beautiful Ferrari roll up. I was kind of like, OK, I wish I knew like right now in this moment, what makes this car special? Like, why is this better than the one that or why is this one equal to the one that we just watched like two hours of Ken Miles and uh, Carol Shelby build their Ford? So that's the only thing. I just wish I knew anything more about it. And why has Ferrari been able to win the last like six years in a row? Like what are, what are their teams doing differently than Ford that makes their cars so capable of winning this race? And that's why I like that scene with Lee Icoca doing his little presentation to Ford and, and trying to you know convince him like, hey, we're thinking wrong on this whole racing thing like y'all want to build this brand up right it's like well we need to do what they're doing if not better yeah that was awesome and i i hope that really happened too because man that was he just like nailed it on the head he was like ford is like the most innovative thing in the world that you made cars available to the everyman like that's insane like how you did that and how your family did that 
And I love that like analogy where he was like, what happened when, you know, the soldiers came home from World War II? They had sex. And now those kids are 17. They're going out into the workforce. They can drive. None of them think Fords are cool. So we got to we got to change something. I was like, that's such a cool point. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was really great. Um, and then watching that tie into the Ferrari angle was is what basically started this whole story. So it's why I thought John Bernthal was going to be a bigger player in the second half of the movie, because he does kind of maybe even inadvertently at times. He's kind of the one that kickstarts this whole story. Yeah, that could almost be a whole different movie in and of itself. Yeah. Just about Lee Iacocca, because he was a huge influencer in Ford. As for the other part of your question, Matt, about how they best spent their time, I know you said you were a little burnt out on it by the end, but I was glad a good chunk of the movie went to the actual Le Mans race, because that is a 24-hour race. So that in itself could also be a movie, just about this single race. I, I was really happy that the last like hour 15 was just the race. I thought that was so thrilling, so fun. And they still found a way to cut to the characters in the booth, in the pit crew, and still give us some of those quieter moments. And then we even get some quiet moments with Ken in the car talking to himself, saying like, oh, Walt, that's a bad move and passing people like all that stuff. I, I really enjoyed in the final half of this film. Yeah. And I guess it was on purpose. The fact that like the entire almost like the last hour of this movie is just the same. Le Mans 24 hour race is kind of cool because that's a 24 hour race. So it's like we, we can't see that much. But if you give us a full hour, I mean, it's going to maybe for me, it felt tiring, perhaps on purpose at times. So I was like, ugh. Like, yeah, you know, I've seen this turn for the 12th time. <laughs> There's that hay bale again. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was that you're right. It actually was uh, done for good reason, for sure. Uh, and you actually kind of mentioned another thing that I thought they used their time really well. I'm glad we got to know some of like the, the smaller characters, so to speak, in the pit crew. I really liked Phil Remington. I thought he was yeah. like a nice back and forth for Shelby. I really liked uh, Charlie, I think. It I was. thought he was Shelby's father for so long because everyone called him Pop. I, I was <laughs> oh. so confused why everybody else was calling him Pop, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just like that we got to spend time with them and get to know them. And they all kind of had like different opinions on certain things. And even you got to have Phil like just like kind of, you know, quickly talk to Peter at one point and kind of reassure him that, you know, yeah, accidents happen. But, you know, as long as they get out of the car and then cut to the end of the movie when Carol Shelby's like still fucked up like six months later about Ken Miles' death is just like he just walks out and he's like, you know, sometimes they just don't get out of the car. It's like, oh. It's really sad, but yeah, yeah. I just like that we got to know some of those others, like those other characters for sure. The visuals of the brakes heating up too looked so cool. Oh, it it was Fast and Furious. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool. The only thing with the pit crew that I thought wasn't well done is I didn't know when we got to the Le Mans race that you could sub out drivers. So that was confusing to me when we got into that. They never explained it. It's also funny because I was reading online that Ken Miles was like the second driver at Le Mans the year previously in 1965. So he had been at Le Mans before. And I was like, oh, watching this movie, I did not know that, which probably worked better for the movie because I like the idea yeah. of him not having been there before. <laughs> they acted like he'd never been to Europe, even though he's British. <laughs> That's a very good point. Whenever he shows up, he's like, where do I go? It was like, haven't you been here? Like, France is very close to you. <laughs> he, he, was, he fought in France in the war. <laughs> yeah, you've been here, right? <laughs> Hi, where's the hotel? And the kid like literally is like, it's right in front of you. And he's like, I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going 7,000 RPM, so I can't see anything yet. Yeah, he yet. can't see everything because he's only walking. He hates walking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about like the actual racing scenes, like Daytona and Le Mans. And uh, I want to kind of know what you guys thought about like the whole mechanic talk while they're trying to design the cars and, you know, and just the overall, like what goes into making a race car. Yeah. When it comes to the talk, I'll be honest, I always appreciate movies and stories that don't hold your hand. So like, I'll be honest, like I did not really grasp most of like the car jargon, what they were talking about. But I liked that they were being authentic, clearly. Like, it got to a point by the end where I was like, okay, I kind of know what they're talking about now. One of my favorite moments was at Le Mans watching them change out the entire brake system, which I did not really know what that meant. But because they set it up earlier and it was like this crazy thing that might break the rules and then watching Ken Miles go off on the uh, referee, so to speak, and then like Carol Schultz was like, hey. You know, you know how this works. That's your domain. This is mine. And then he just says the same thing to the guy. That was funny. <laughs> um, I like stuff like that. So it was fun to kind of, I wouldn't say I learned something because I still don't really fully understand cars and the car speak. But visually, I think James Mangled and the team did a good job of like pairing certain scenes and certain things with that mechanic talk you mentioned that by the end I was like, okay, I know exactly what's going on. So that, that was really satisfying. That was pretty cool. I thought the best use of the mechanic talk was when there were originally designing the first version of the race car and they're working with the Ford engineers and Ken Miles just pulls all their computer stuff out of the car and drives it himself and like visually shows them what he's talking about with the ribbons and he points out that the engineers are too reliant on their computers and their data points and they need people who are actually in the car driving the car and knows how everything works and comes together to to build a car that can go this fast. I thought I thought that was the best use of it because it showed how much Ken Miles and and Shelby's team really knew what they were talking about. It was also cool at the end to see like that. I don't think they were a customer. I guess they were a driver that we had seen earlier. But like, I guess they're driving around in the in the car for an hour and they get out like and they're like saying like some bullshit like, oh, my God, it feels so great. And watching Carol Shelby walk away like fucking pissed. He's like, it's been a fucking hour. Like, You don't know how it feels like. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, I was like, OK, yeah, it's kind of a you understand what goes into, you know, that process of making a car better for their purposes. So, yeah. And just to jump back in with another racing scene. um. Where the movie really hooked me and where I like was like, oh, I really love this movie was at the Daytona race when Carol Shelby walks out with that sign for like the final two laps and says like, go to 7,000, like give him hell. And you see this Ken Miles like hits the biggest smile on his face. He's like, all right, here we go. Like the way the music chimes in in that scene and you just see him totally burn everybody out of the water. That was such a cool scene. Yeah, that was awesome. So many goosebump scenes with the racing and uh, Christian Bale, like the way he just gets excited. I, I love like all of his like little remarks too while he's driving. Like when that at the very beginning of the Le Mans, when like those other like two or three cars crash, like at the very beginning, he's like, "Oh bloody hell!" <laughs> and he's driving, and he's driving past them. No, he says, "Um, I remember he's like, learn to drive, you Pollock." Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like flaming behind him. <laughs> learn to drive. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I, like I like at the beginning of the movie too. Whenever um. You know, whenever we get like the first example of why Ken's difficult to work with, whenever he's giving the uh, the guy Bill uh, a hard time about the the trunk space and all that, him pounding out that trunk was so funny. Happy Bill. <laughs> Shelby gets pissed off at him because Shelby was talking to that guy from Porsche, and they're like, "Dude, do you know who I was just talking to? I was talking to so and so from Porsche. Like they were asking me if we want if we wanted to race, you know, for them or something like that. That kind of just lo- that was kind of like a big deal, kind of just." put to the side really quickly in the movie. I don't think Ken would have, though, because he does make that comment of, yes, I, I thought say, we both had an understanding about, about Germans. the Germans. Yeah, because this is all, you know, 60s, everybody still had, like, you know, kind of fresh 
criticisms of of the Germans uh, because of the war and all that. So, but anyway, going back to the racing, yeah, I loved all like the mechanics, like you like you guys said, like the brakes uh, heating up and all that looked really cool. The crashes and like just the uh, whenever like a car would crash, you hear like a like a, and then everybody would just run out to see who it was. It was insane, and the fact that this, these races last twenty four hours is nuts. The fact that I don't think anybody died at Le Mans 66 either is weird. I mean, or not, I shouldn't say weird, but it's crazy based on the crashes that we saw. I'm like, people survive? I mean, we watched cars fall apart. Like, how do they survive? It's insane. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're crawling out. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is just crazy that, like, somebody can go through a crash like that where their entire car, like, falls apart in the air and they're fine. Like, all right, get back in the other one and keep racing. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, yeah. I don't know. I, I still just love how they were able to film those scenes, like that crazy wide angle, like from the perspective of the driver, like watching the road sometimes at night, sometimes in the middle of like a heavy rain. Sometimes it could just be in the day, like on like a crazy turn and just watching them go that fast through a turn was like, ugh, like, it, it, yeah, like you said, Keith, it, definitely lots of goosebumps to be had, especially when they paired scenes like that with like Shelby in the in like the pit saying like, wait wait now and then like seeing every time that happens seeing ken miles always on the same page was cool there was never a moment where like miles quote unquote fucked up in shelby's eyes when it came to like a racing decision like they were always on the exact same page it was so cool the raining scene at le mans really ups your anxiety too oh, i was yeah, like you need to pull over and wait for the storm to pass oh my <laughs> gosh yeah so before we close out here i wanted to see just like in general, I know we talked about, you know, the Le Mans, the ending to the race, but how do you guys feel the movie itself as a whole wrapped up? And then since this is our favorite movie series, where does it stand next to things like it? Is this one of the great racing movies? Is it one of the great sports movies? Is it one of the great like biopics? Like what's kind of your general consensus on all that? I think the ending itself is unsatisfying, but I think that's a good thing for the story because you do feel bad for Ken Miles. He has the victory rod for him in this story and then... And then he he dies in testing. So it, it is very unsatisfying. Doesn't leave you feeling good about Ford or Ferrari either because of the roles they play in this story. Um, but the way you see his death impact his son, his wife, and his his friend, Carol Shelby. I, I like that you get some time to sit with it with these characters and see what Ken Miles meant to them. Um, so I thought it did wrap up very effectively. Um, I was bummed out by the time the credits rolled just because I felt bad for Ken. Um, as for like where it stands up, I don't know if I would say it's it's like the best sports movie I've ever seen. But I do think it is a great um, biopic. Yeah, I think I totally agree with all that, Austin. Yeah, I think it's definitely up there as a biopic. Wouldn't put it up there as the best sports movie. I think it is one of the best racing movies. But like, as far as like the racing scenes goes, I think Rush might actually be a little bit better as far as like showing the actual racing. Um, but yeah, I really like the story. I think for me, the ending was kind of satisfying because I, I think by the end, you do realize this this story is. Li- really more centered on Miles and Shelby's relationship. And it goes back to our, our about it not following Ferrari as much. And yeah, I think the title definitely could have been maybe different, but I think it's just a quick window into this whole story. Cause there's a lot more that goes into it than what we see into the movie. Like, like we said, Leo Iacocca has a, that guy has a whole nother story just about him and Leo Beebe. I do like the way, like, it wraps up with Carol driving off because it kind of goes to his and Miles' like mentality, like that forward thinking mentality. Like he's crying, he's sad, for, sad that Miles is gone, but he but then he puts on the sunglasses and drives away all crazy, like almost crashing into like two different cars. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, I like the way it kind of just wrapped up with 
with their their slogan that they live by, is which is like keep on driving, keep on moving. So it's cool. Yeah, when comparing it to like other movies in those respective genres, I feel like this is just such a huge movie. Like I'd hesitate to say it's better than Rush because Rush is so different. Like I personally preferred um the character dynamics in Rush because they spent more time with the Chris Hemsworth character and the Daniel Bruhl character. I felt like we got to know them better. That's because that was a smaller story. I mean, this is literally the Ford Empire versus the Ferrari Empire and where all these various characters fall into it. So I guess I can say it's better because it's so different. But yeah, I do think this is one of the great racing movies and there's not a lot of them out there. As for biopics, I don't I don't think it's super high on the list for me, but I definitely would recommend it. That's probably the best thing I can say about it is this was a great watch and I can't believe I waited this long to finally sit down and watch it. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where I stand. Um, I guess my last question is now that we've been talking about Rush a lot, um, I remember, I guess at this point, it, already like two years ago almost, and we did the uh, the sports bracket. I think we only did one of those, but I know Rush was on it. And I remember there was some push and pull from all three of us. We were like, well, Russia's really good, but is it a sports movie? And we had to talk about that a lot. Does like watching something like Ford v. Ferrari, do you feel more comfortable one way or another? Like, would you say that this is a sport? I know there's like a bunch of different when it comes to like Formula One, NASCAR, all this stuff. But just in general, do you feel like racing is a sport? Yeah, I guess I would consider it a sport. You do have to be pretty athletic, like in certain ways to do it. Uh, you got to have like really high adrenaline conditioning, like to be able to take all these turns and drive at 250 miles an hour or whatever. A lot of racers do have to work out a lot to like maintain the cardio and like to be able to maintain like or be able to take like the G forces that it takes to drive these things around certain corners and all that. So, yeah, I would consider it a sport. It's just not a sport in the fact that you're using your whole body like at once, like football or soccer or baseball. I would say it's a sport too. It's just not a sport I'm particularly very interested in. Um, I do think though, because you have to train and practice and kind of be the best in your field to win at these competitions. And I think what makes sport exciting is seeing people who push their bodies to the limit, push their experiences to the limit um, to try to become the best in their field. And that's what you're doing in racing too. Yeah, that's exactly where I stand. I think I feel more confident I can say it is after seeing something like this because it just portrayed it differently. Like like the mental and physical toll it takes just feels like it requires that certain mindset. So I would say so. Um, and also like, I don't know, I guess I didn't realize stuff like this existed out there, even though like stuff like Le Mans has existed for so long. But I've never really been like a NASCAR person, for example. I'm not going to go on some rant that people do. It's like, it's just going around a lap 200 times. Like, I don't, I don't really give a shit about that. I know people love that. But actually, after seeing a movie like this and the way they filmed it, I mean, I would totally, I feel like if there was something as big as this race on, I, I would tune in like every the couple hours just to see, you know, what lap people are on and stuff. Like, that would be cool. I think they do differentiate that Le Mans isn't NASCAR, though. I think it's a different style That's of racing. That's what I mean. That's why I think something like this kind of appealed to me because nascar is just one oval it's no yeah. it's it's only four turns where le mans it's is, like shelby says it's turning left for four hours yes exactly so where this one's all you know it's not uh symmetrical at all of a which track. i thought was cool i like that yeah i'll just go and say um you know after breaking this down with you guys i think it, it's universal you know you, you could you could show this to your your dad your mom your sister your kid you know it's pretty universal a clean movie um it's fun to watch the 
the cars race and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's for anybody. Um, so anyway, yeah, this one will definitely be um, one of my favorite movies in the past decade for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's such an interesting story. And it's one that like you guys kind of alluded to earlier. It's like, yes, it is at its heart about racing really fast cars, you know, like and seeing who's faster than the other. But when it comes to like that post-war era, when it comes to these like rebel type souls, these rebels without a cause, like Ken Miles, like trying to find their place and, you know, that obsession that is like equal parts like empowering you to move forward but also maybe holding you back in some ways like there's just a lot of really i think important i don't know themes and just really exciting characters and emotional moments in this movie so i didn't expect that going in for a movie just ostensibly about racing like i said but they found a way to make racing i think mean more and you can understand why people get into it so yeah while I had some issues here and there with it, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And so I would definitely recommend it. And like I've said a couple times now, I think it's a story that is worth knowing by anybody, like you said, Keith, from all walks of life, because it's super interesting. So it's kind of just like a fun little uh, part of history that I feel like not a lot of people might know about. I do think in that regard, though, its title does not help it because no. Ford v. Ferrari makes it seem like you have to be a car buff to enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. And when I when I told my wife I had to watch the movie this week and I was like I'm watching Ford B Ferrari she was like you can watch that on your own I'm not watching that and then I had it on and she like was walking by and got really invested in it mm. so yeah. the story I think outshines the title for sure yeah I agree yeah I don't know how you fix that but you know I, I definitely agree well good stuff good pick Keith um, but before we close out fully here can't wait till we have a bad pick for our favorite movies <laughs> yeah it's you know, be we, a hard we, episode we've been lucky yeah. so far there's definitely been some picks where at least one of us has been like i liked it but that's as far as i could go <laughs> um uh i'm talking to you mask of zorro <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah go check out go scroll back through your podcast feed go scroll uh go back through the youtube and go see our favorite movies like may is there something in there that you love also is there something that you think we're crazy for picking uh let us know but yeah before we fully close out here It's time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of the show right at the end where we just pick something, can be positive or negative. We just feel like it deserves praise in some fashion or another. So, Austin or Keith, start me out. Yeah, I'm going to give the Best Burn Award to Enzo Ferrari when he switches out of his Italian accent and just looks at the Ford executives and says, your executives are sons of whores and you're not Henry Ford. You're Henry Ford the second. <laughs> Oof, he just undressed him. Best burn I've seen in the movie in a long time. I will give the Tea Party Award to Mr. Ken Miles. That guy drank a lot of tea in this movie. And when he wins, he's like, put the pot on, son. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, how much tea are you drinking? You must be going to the bathroom. How does he stay in that race car? Yeah, like, another question. Are they wearing pull-ups or something while they're racing? Because how, they, how are they peeing? I guess they have to like force out as much piss and shit as they can at the like at the end of their four hour nap so that yeah. they can go four hours in the car without stopping for that. Oh my gosh. Well, that's funny you mentioned that, Keith, because I have an award that's somewhat similar, but it's not about drinking. It's about eating. And it is the uh, Bluebell uh, Customer of the Month Award. And it goes to <laughs> Ken Miles. He always talking about his racing or ice cream. Uh, also begs the question how he's like. I guess the reason he's not going to the bathroom is because he's like completely constipated. <laughs> like all he eats is ice cream, bread, and tea. Yeah, it's the worst diet. <laughs> he's just burning so many calories in the car. He's like, oh, who gives a fuck? <laughs> so when he's planning on quitting, he's like, I can just get fat and eat ice cream all day. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're gonna get fat quick if you stop racing. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing this with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. And even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday. We're thinking about covering George Miller's new film, 3,000 Years of Longing. Looks really interesting. Um, That trailer kind of came out of nowhere a few months ago. So pretty excited for that one. We mentioned it at the beginning of the year on our kind of a 2022 rundown. So stay tuned for that. Um, Last week, we also put out our thoughts on the first episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Uh, Matt and Keith kind of liked it. I thought it was terrible. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, be sure to go back and check that episode out. All right. Lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of Ford versus Ferrari? Do you think it lives up to the hype? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoy this one. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. I'm so H-A-P-P-Y. <laughs> God, I gotta sing of that, that song part. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>